Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio. For 10 years, the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, be that Spotify or Apple Podcasts or TuneIn or whatever, uh, we keep you bang up to date on all things tech every single day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. We are kicking off the new year and the new decade with two very special interviews for you this week. Shortly, we'll get stuck into Industry 4.0 and how to automate work so you have more free time. But first, Vodafone are blasting a trail by becoming one of the first telecom companies in Ireland to demonstrate its 5G network. To talk about its applications beyond just our smartphones, Niall Kitson sat down with Vodafone's country manager for Internet of Things, Debbie Power. When we're looking at what Vodafone are doing at the moment, and and I guess the evolution of telecommunications networks in general, in Ireland over the last 10 years, I think we've had quite an extraordinary journey in that you had um, a 2G network for a long time that not many people were using. Then you had devices like the iPhone that came along that really leveraged 2.5G and created an appetite for 3G services. Um, And then we had, comparatively speaking, quite a rapid uptake of 4G and an even faster again. Uh, uptake of 5G. How do you see that, that evolution coming on? Has it really been the consumer devices driving it? Or have we seen more demand from industry looking to develop applications on top of networks that maybe weren't up to it? Interesting question, actually, particularly when you look at it from the IoT angle. Um, you referenced the consumer and the, and the 2G network you know, not being massively um, utilised, but actually from an IoT perspective, it would be significant um, in our history from a, what was then a machine-to-machine industry or, or you know, side of the house, which is now renamed as IoT. So historically, and it's 20 years for Vodafone that we've been in that M2M space, and the majority of our connections going back over that time would have very much been on 2G. Um, many still are today on that network um, and then obviously moved on to the 3G network after that and as you mentioned subsequently up to 4 and, and now 5. Um, I think for you know where, where we're at today with the 5G is certainly being industry led. Um, use cases are, are you know leading the way there particularly around the mission, mission critical low latency types of things. I know we'll get on to that but um, so I would say from an IoT perspective certainly the, the need has been there from a 2G right up to a, a 5G. When we're looking at the idea of the Internet of Things, um, I guess for in some quarters there's still a little bit of um, fuzziness around its very definition. Uh, I mean, are we are we looking at the case where it is finally machines talking to machines and the human factor is being taken out, or are we still looking at the idea of okay, you get to control your radiator from lamp on your phone? Yeah, an absolute combination of both, Nile. To be honest, um, I think I mean yes, it is machines talking to machines for the most part. But the real value is when the human is actually getting some value, or, you know, some additional benefit from that device being connected. So whether it's a machine talking to machine or a machine talking to something else, the, the real use and the real benefit comes when the person who has implemented that strategy or that um, IoT solution is getting the benefit from it. So whether that's a, a farmer with a connected cow or a somebody running a 4.0 industry smart factory. Uh, and those are really uh, interesting applications that we'll get to uh, in a little bit. One of the um, uh, things 
that I've noticed uh, when it comes to the rollout of 5G is that every network seems to have had its own character over time. With, with 4G, again, to return to that example, it was the demand for greater bandwidth, faster speeds for consumer applications like, say, YouTube or Netflix or anything like this. 5G, you're looking at the, the industry applications. And I guess that has required a, a very different rollout strategy. Um, yeah, and again, I suppose there's the consumer side and then there's also the IoT side. Um, I think 5G in general as a network technology, you can probably put it into three areas. There's that kind of enhanced mobile cover um, solution offering where, you, you know, you're getting that faster download or, you know, whether it's gaming, you know, that, that, that kind of quicker response time, which is, you know, fabulous and really of benefit, augmented reality, virtual reality, those things. Um, then you can look at massive IoT where you're connecting the likes of multiples of devices particularly maybe in the utility sector when you think of you know the, the mass networks that are out there from our oil and gas and water and those types of areas and then I think the third and, and really interesting part from an IoT perspective is that kind of low latency mission critical type of use cases and when you talk about those you're looking at things like the robotic um, industry whether that's a smart factory or whether it's a um, remote surgery you're also looking at remote healthcare you're looking at the autonomous vehicle which people is synony- for people is synonymous with 5G so I think there's an absolute multiple of things that that kind of will push on the use case and the uptake of 5G, but it is broken into a number of areas is is how we look at it from an industry perspective. So basically you've got this combination of uh, visible uh, visible applications like self-driving cars, like the the AR, VR, blended reality stuff, Uh, but I guess invisible applications in the sense that you're you're not necessarily going to see a smart factory uh, at work every day. So how do you get the message out that, look, uh, these things are happening over the networks and these are applications that are actually you know you get to see them every day Well, I suppose, I mean, we, we've done our rollout of 5G, which you'll have seen um, recently. So, I mean, that got obviously a lot of coverage in the press and in the media, um, thanks to the likes of our lovely PR people. Um, so I suppose once the message gets out there, I think that that helps, certainly. But I think from an industry perspective, you know, people that are working and living, you know, kind of living and breathing technology, to, you know, whether that's technology for good or whether it's technology for, for the likes of gaming and recreational environments, those people are aware of the needs of, you know, of what can be achieved if and when the likes of 5G comes along. So when we as first to market in Ireland roll out 5G we certainly, um, we're, we're certainly not short of use cases, there's, you know, there's definitely a lot of knocks on the door but as I say we would have already been engaged with people in industry around some of those areas anyway. So let's have another look at the uh, the applications that are happening at the moment. Uh, we touched upon some of the consumer stuff there but there's an awful lot going on in smart, smart, smart cities as well. Uh, we mentioned uh, traffic management there very briefly. So what what else are you seeing that is exciting you in that space? So um, certainly the smart city space is is one that it's, it's a terminology that's been around now for quite a number of years um, and certainly gaining a lot of traction. Um, I think, as I mentioned, the, the vehicle and the logistics side of things is kind of prevalent and really prominent when it comes to smart cities because people automatically think of traffic, exactly as you said yourself. Um, so that's the, one of the first things that comes to the mind is around traffic. And look, I mentioned autonomous vehicle with 5G and we, you know, we've already said 5G has been um, rolled out in a number of cities um, in Ireland from a Vodafone perspective um, and, f- and that, that will come more and more um, autonomous vehicle will come more and more prevalent but it does take cities and po- 
policy and regulation as well to drive that home, pardon the pun. But, you know, um, the technology is there, but the ability for that technology to interoperate with the regular vehicles on the road is something that definitely needs to be taken into consideration there in relation to the kind of traffic and, and city integration. Um, other areas around smart cities, I mean, one that's very prevalent is flooding. You know, all cities, not all, but obviously um, depending on um, geographical lay, lay of the land type of thing, um, but it is a factor for multiple of cities. We've seen it in our country, uh, you know, over many years, both in Dublin and Cork and many of the regional towns as well. So that is a factor and I think the, the kind of evolution of technology, and we, we could talk about narrowband IoT perhaps, which is, you know, it's a, it's a 5G standard technology, it's a 4G evolution. Um, that technology is really prevalent um, when it comes to the likes of smart cities because it is low power, wide area technology. So putting a, a kind of a connectivity into a sensor that's maybe um, managing water levels or water flow is really important when it comes to the management of floods within smart cities. Um, other areas, um, healthcare, and you know we touched on it, or I mentioned it briefly um, to you earlier um, today, and um, that's a big area that is both, uh, there's an uptake on it now with existing technologies, but also with 5G and with what's coming um, down the road. But I think healthcare is a broad topic, but it definitely feeds into the smart city thing, because if you consider remote healthcare and leaving people at home to manage their conditions, stops them coming into hospitals, stops them coming into cities, you know, removing that kind of extra need for more traffic, more cars on the road. So it's a big ecosystem and I think it's interdependent upon each other. I suppose that creates a a headache for a a policy and a regulatory perspective as well because all of a sudden if you have a healthcare solution you have to start uh, engaging with um, say uh, healthcare providers Mm -hmm. if you've got a traffic solution you've got to start um, engaging with city councils that sort of thing. Do you think IoT is a, is a special case when it comes to this, this integration of policy with technology? I think I think that it, it, it should be led by the use case and when we talk about smart cities the use case is the citizen experience it's that citizen who gets up in the morning and they want to go about their day's business whether that's recreational visiting a city from a tourism perspective or most probably more importantly for the day-to-day workers who you know live and work within those cities so I think the the, the sophisticated buyer in this case the consumer the citizen are the ones who will ultimately make the demands for those policy changes um, and I think we see that through the likes of government and, and you know through um, ordinary um, voting mechanisms from you know democratic situation that we live in thankfully in Ireland so um, I think policy will be led by the citizen I think the technology is there and I think policy makers and regulatory and government alike need to be completely aware of what can be done from a technical perspective um, I think in Ireland we're lucky our government are actually quite aware of um, a lot of the technologies that we have and also with what's coming so I think this is taken into consideration and then you look at things like um, Dublin Chamber, Cork Chamber you know their policies and their plans for the next 20 and 40 years they do take into consideration the technology developments as well we're not just talking about the urban citizen either. I mean, if you, if you look at agriculture, there's an awful lot going on there as well. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if from a Vodafone perspective, one of our policies and, and one, of, one of our driving ambitions here is, is the, this gigabit society. We talk about it quite a lot, and it's really the integration of that rural and urban, um, those communities coming together, you know, ensuring that rural Ireland gets exactly the same benefits as the urban citizens that we have today. Um, I think um, you mentioned agriculture, obviously very big in the, in the rural environment. 
environment. I mean, the agri the agri industry is very advanced when it comes to the uptake of technology, which is you know very reassuring for us all. Um, but there's certainly a lot going on in that space. There's a lot going on around soil monitoring, around temperature recording, around grass growth, around access control, safety for farmers, those type of things. Technology is you know enables all of that. Um, a huge amount of that comes back to narrowband IoT again, the low power wide area technology, the, the technology that's suitable for kind of low low late, low um, battery usage. Um, small bytes of data being sent you know my gate is open my gate is closed my grass is growing my grass is not growing you know small little pieces of information um, don't require a huge amount of bandwidth and this low power technology is really suitable for that I think also when you look at the rural urban divide um, it would be probably prudent to mention the drone um, delivery that we did the other day which again it, it certainly um, feeds into the rural urban divide but it also is very prevalent or important in the healthcare industry the healthcare from an IoT perspective so we delivered um, the first world's first um, beyond vision line of sight drone delivering insulin from Connemara over to the Aran Islands to Inishmore in the in the Aran Islands um, a very controlled drone flight Irish Aviation Authority involved Wingcopter involved very much led from NUI Galway um, but very much feeding into healthcare for all remote healthcare but also that rural urban divide that's an interesting point that you raised about the uh, drone delivery because, again, this points to the idea of IoT being central to putting together services for people. Yeah, and I think IoT crosses all of the verticals, whether it's logistics, whether it's things like digital buildings in, in, the, in an urban environment, whether it's farming in a rural community. IoT really does touch all of our lives. I mean, a lot of people don't even know that it touches their lives, um, but it really is an enabler of a much better society. Looking towards the future then, what sort of projects uh, are sort of exciting you, whether it's pure blue sky thinking going on in Ireland or projects you've seen overseas that you that you thought, oh, that, that would really work over here? Um, I think one of the most um, exciting projects we did recently was um, around our 5G launch. Um, um, we we launched 5G in Cork in the Assert Centre in Cork, which is a centre for science, simulation, education and training, research and training um, in part of University College Cork. It's a healthcare centre where we can um, work with industry and clinicians along with ourselves and Vodafone to develop solutions and technologies that ultimately benefit healthcare but healthcare in global environments remotely, the likes of Africa or Ireland itself or the, the standard European countries, America, etc. But I think the real focus there is um, bringing solutions into the market quicker, um, offering offering industry access to the likes of the clinicians, clinical trial base, um, the medical brains that are down there to be able to help and move things along quickly, but ultimately with the aim of getting better solutions into the healthcare environment. And that was Niall Kitson chatting with Vodafone's country manager for Internet of Things, Debbie Power. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. For our second interview, we're talking about Industry 4.0. This is the term used for how technology increases automation in the workplace, but there is a lot more to it than just bringing in new technology. Enrique von Schiel is the man who coined the phrase Industry 4.0, and he spoke to Niall Kitson at the recent InnoPharma conference in Dublin. 
Henrik, when we're looking at Industry 4.0, you can't look at it in isolation. You can't look at it as just a collection of new technologies. You have to look at it within the broad context of, of the story of technology, I suppose. Um, where do you see Industry 4.0 arriving, if you will? So, um, Industry 4.0 um, is at its core, it's the colliding of three worlds together. It's the colliding of the digital world the physical world and the virtual world. So when you have your phone in your hand, it's digital because you can connect with everything around it. It's virtual because you can um, open it up, you can have WhatsApp call, you can look at your manufacturing plans, you can look at performance sheets. And it's very much physical where you can look at the wall, you, you can measure the size of the wall, you can look at the temperatures, and you can look at where the, the North Pole is. So these are the three worlds that are colliding together. There are some really big misunderstood uh, terms about the fourth industrial revolution. Um, it was ignited in 2008, and um, the technology part, the 17 trends, is one of the smallest part of it, but it's the one always emphasized. So when we're looking at, at general trends that come along, when we think about the speed of innovation, for a long time, it was a, a flat line, and then all of a sudden, you had the internal combustion engine and then electrification. And now, in the digital age, the speed of innovation just seems to have increased exponentially. Where do you think this, I, I guess, velocity uh, has come from? Yes. So, see here, the first three industrial revolutions were, were mainly driven by technology and they disrupted industries. Right, and um, so in the beginning, um, the world wasn't that connected. Today, we have a quite big population, and the fourth industrial revolution brings the biggest change we ever had on human mankind in the shortest period of time. So the change we have is an exponential change. It changes the way we interact, we live, we consume, how our economy works. It It changes all the core of the government, and so the world we have will not be the same. And it's exponential. To give you a picture of this when it's exponential, right? The 17 technology sets are, um, are in the first wave, it's probably 10 million um, of disruption. 10 million is the force of what it's, it's disruption, right? And these are technology sets that are um, big data, cloud, um, you know, the 3D printing, and that's in the first wave. The first wave has already happened. The second wave is the wave we are in right now. That's like 100 million times more disruptive than the first wave. This will change everything of organizations, the competitive boundaries, how they grow, how they compete. It will set up this, it will change the setup of organizations. It will change the, the Fortune 500 organizations and new new industries will merge, right? This, the second wave has technology sets such as artificial intelligence, blockchain, smart automation, G6, and future of energy and um, 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 autonomous systems. These systems, is, each one is like a paradigm shift. They will change every aspect of our life 
and how we interact and how companies work and compete. The third wave is, um, is one of the most disruptive ones. And that starts in 2020, so it's not that far away, right? That will change every aspect of industries. It will reshape new industries that are not there. It will change pharma, manufacturing, retail, um, tourism at its core. So that means the, the industries will not be the same in five years. So when we're looking at uh, business change and business process change, you've uh, you've made mention there of all the industries that are going to see massive change over over the next few years. But for for the average business, how do you see uh, these changes manifesting themselves? I mean, you know, in looking at grand paradigms, it's wonderful to see how new technologies we'd be gathering together. But for you know the small business or for the entrepreneur. How do you see business processes changing or how do you see entrepreneurs having to change their mindset to accommodate new technologies? So I, I, I know we keep talking about technologies now, right? Technology are only purpose-driven applied. So everything which in an organization which is non-core around 70 to 80%, um, you need to focus on your hyper-competitive areas, right? That means you need to focus on how you optimize how you have a better operating model and your operational excellence. So you need to have a high level of maturity, high level of integration, optimization, consolidation, and, and, and integration. This entrepreneurs or businesses or governments need to think about how they can um, perform better, support the operating model. So that's best practices. That's out of the box solutions, right? Everywhere where they are industry specific. So in an industry where you compete head on head, it's about performance. It's about service. So this is where you, this is 15% of an organization. So in a normal organization, everything in your operating model and non-core, everything where you're competing with your supply chain, for example, your warehouse management, you need to be minimum as good as. So this is where you need to design solutions that are custom-made solutions. You cannot buy the solutions out of the box anymore. So the time for people just to buy is over. The industry 4.0 requires that you are, are thinking um, and thinking yourself how you apply it. So you need to, to think functionally and act strategically. So that means everything about 70 to 80%, you can apply technology out of the box. Ask Deloitte, Accenture, uh, Microsoft, IBM, get the cheapest stuff, negotiate with them, get it out, right? Everything where you need to compete, comparative competitiveness, you need to think and design it yourself. You can no more buy. Right, so we're, we're entering into an age of, of sort of the bespoke solution as the as a competitive dis, uh, differentiator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this is also when we just go one step back, right? And in terms of the fourth industrial revolution, most of them are obsessed with the technology set. The technology set is one of of the six paradigm shifts. The paradigm shifts are the reasons why the disruption is exponential. So the other five are, for example, 
One of them is we are in the sixth extinction period of animals. For the last 15 years, we have managed to kill 15% of animals on the planet. By 2025, we have killed another 25%. That means we have managed in 30 years to kill 30, um, 50% of animals. Now, what does that have to do with businesses? Actually, a lot, right? We must change the way that we use the resource and live in harmony with the environment. What does it have to do with entrepreneurs? A lot. Why? If bees are dying, 69% of bees are dying next year, we are in heck of a problem. If somebody builds Noah's Ark, goes out and collects bees, ants, and moths, is their business to be done in, as an entrepreneur? Very much so, right? What is the key element of a bee? You send out a queen, she builds a hype, the winter comes, the hype dies, you send the bee back. What's that? that? That's the business model. It's a license model, right? So that requires many of new businesses must include a thinking on how we live in harmony with our environment around it, right? That's the second paradigm. Um, the third paradigm is that we're living in a period of overconsumption, right? We are consuming more than what we can produce. What does that have to do with businesses? Well, a lot. We need to change the way that we produce, package, consume, deliver. I think we're who has that with. Uh, sorry, I, th- I think we're seeing that more and more with sort of consumers becoming more aware of the amount of packaging that's coming in their in their uh, food, or maybe a willingness to experiment with uh, non-meat alternatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you're right. I'm just highlighting to you that the industry for the zero is not only technologies, um, and then you have the other. Um, uh, um, two additional paradigm shifts. One is new in new economic area, and, and the other one is a new reality. And then the last one is we in, in a climate change period. So uh, I think this is part of a business model that every organization has to adhere to, and and focus on how they apply that. I think the the discussion on resource management is absolutely fascinating and the the dissection of what it is that companies need to survive and to compete versus the point at which something is overproduced or overconsumed and how that implies, uh, how that impacts on the value of things that we are producing and consuming. Um, One looks in particular towards the energy sector where we're seeing that some of the biggest investors in uh, renewables are actually fossil fuel companies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They they know that business is going out of business model, so they need to define something new. You're totally right. Um, and I suppose so, so. So, what does that mean? What does that mean from a reskilling perspective? Right, the future of work that has an element to both for people, normal individuals, they need to change work three or four times in their life, if not more. Right. The underlying element we we talk about that the fourth industrial revolution is the colliding of the three worlds digital, virtual, and physical, but it's also colliding of the three skills level. Engineering skills, management skills or modeling skills, and IT skills, architecture skills, right? These are normally very siloed skills. Suddenly they're merging together because it's a physical cyber world we're gonna live in. 
I suppose you have to look then when there's such a, a, a number of paradigm shifts going on that there is a massive issue for regulation and how governments um, ob- observe how industry is evolving and either help or sort of put a, put, put a stamp or a, a line in the sand and say, look, OK, here's a, a healthy point of competition. Here's where uh, something becomes toxic. Where do you see governments coming in and learning how to regulate properly when there is so much change going on? So I, I think there are, there are um, four main players, right? One is, 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 is the industry and the business world. They need to take responsibility and they need to innovate, right? We have, a, we have, a, we have three main challenges in that, right? We have the big fat guys who are earning a lot of money, like uh, like pharma, um, they, are, they are too fat to change. So they need to wake up and change. Then we have the industries like retail, like manufacturing, they're very cost driven. So for them, the effort to change is a big one. Um, so th- this requires from the business world um, a, an ability to lift the table all together at once. Then we have the financial institutions. The financial institutions carry a responsibility to direct investments in the right directions. Then we have the governments. They carry the responsibility to frame um, the element to how to shape the future of cities and governments. That means they have to have a right element on not only policies. Policies is the last weapon that you will lose. But you will take a view on saying, what are the skills that we need to build? How is um, Dublin, who is Dublin competing with? What is the future of work that we build, right? Which industries, which taxations and subsidence do we need for to attract which industries, right? So they need to design it and listen and work very close with the industry. Then there's the individual um, ground, right? The entrepreneurs. You and me, who have dreams and visions, right? I need to change my behavior. I need to change the way, I don't need two cars. I don't need three homes. I don't, I need to change my way I consume. I need to change the way I I travel. Many things in my life I need to change and I need to, to take responsibility for this. So these are the four pillars that need to be driven by it. So, it's easy for us as the individual to point over to the government that they need to change or to the financial institution or the business world. It's something that everybody has to do at the same time and live together. And, and, and by, by the way, I should tell you, right? I've been in 14 years ago. I'm totally impressed what you are today. This is like, holy smokes, you are a good quality food, a really nice city, people are nice. You have really managed to leapfrog in a very short period of time. I'm like, I'm really, really impressed. For me, this is like coming to a Nordic country. High level of quality, high level of living. 
And that was now Kitson chatting with Enrique von Schiel, the man who coined the phrase Industry 4.0. That's it for our show this week. Next week, we're at the RDS in Dublin for an event that always stuns us with the quantity and the quality of new ideas coming through in tech and all from teenagers at the BT Young Scientists Exhibition. Until then, remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, have a wonderful weekend. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.